0: Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is The Stoned Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the power of psychedelics. Quick announcement, I now have a book out titled The Grief Trip, How I Learned to Heal With Grief and Psychedelics. You can find it at www.thegrieftrip.com. 100% of proceeds go to the Ian Preston Memorial Fund to help support mental health and suicide prevention. Okay, back to the podcast. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Robert Via who currently presides over the Tucson Herpetological Society, assists with ongoing developments at the Desert Laboratory on Tumamac Hill with the University of Arizona, and is a member of the Next-Gen Sonoran Desert Researchers. He also consulted with Hamilton Morris on Morris's two episodes of Hamilton's Pharmacopeia about the Sonoran Desert toad and 5-MeO-DMT. The result of those episodes is an updated version of the famous pamphlet Bufo alivarius, the psychedelic toad of the Sonoran Desert, which includes information on synthetic 5-MeO DMT, a great step to help preserve these amazing animals. So let's hear from Robert. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining me here on the Stoned Ape Reports. Like we talked about, this is a, a different kind of, uh, of an interview. Normally, I, I interview what I call other stoned apes. People have had transformational experiences with psychedelics, but I've seen your presentations about the Sonoran Desert Toad. Um, and with 5-MeO right now, kind of blowing up along with the popularity of psychedelics in general, I think it's important that the message I heard you deliver at these events that, you know, I take my little platform here and give it an opportunity to put it out there. So first of all, thank you for your time coming on here and doing this, but maybe we could just start with uh, kind of some background on the Sonoran Desert Toad, you know, what it is and what the current status of it is. Sure.
1: Well, uh, again, thank you for, for having me on your platform. I, I do appreciate it. I, I appreciate any uh, amount of time that, um, that I can have to um, sort of uh, talk about this issue. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the Sonoran Desert toad um, is uh, an amphibian. It's the largest uh, toad in the Southwest. Um, and its range parallels the Sonoran Desert. And, and uh, so that's from so the southern half of Arizona, more or less, uh, through the entire state of Sonora and into a tiny bit of northern Sinaloa. Um, it uh, was first collected. Um, near the turn of the century at Fort Yuma on the Colorado river.
0: Hmm. And
1: this is how it got its first common name, the Colorado river toad. Hmm. Um, and yeah, the, it's a incredible to, to just because it's a, a desert amphibian, you know, we, it's sort of like an oxymoron. Uh, amphibian is like a fish, really, in its water yeah. environments. So uh, the fact that you have amphibians um, that have adapted to living in a desert is quite remarkable. Um, it's as Sonoran as a saguaro or a Gila monster. Th- that is, they're they're emblematic of the Sonoran Desert. It's 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 one of the characteristic characteristic species of, of the Sonoran Desert. Um, it is its ancestors and its cl- the closest living relatives of the Sonoran Desert Toad are a tropical group of toads called Incilius. Um, and uh, so everything about the toad is kind of remarkable in in uh, many for many reasons mm. aside from its psychedelic uh, qualities, which we really don't understand why this toad uh, is the only vertebrate that produces uh, high concentrations of nearly pure 5-MeO-DMT. I've talked to a lot of people uh, or knowledgeable people, um, and there really hasn't been any work to understand why the how this toad and why this toad produces the substance. So that kind of lens, that kind of already sets the stage uh, in a sense for the popularity and the mysticism around, hmm. around the toad.
0: Because um, some people may take that as like, it's almost this divine creation for us.
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, the um, and forgive me if I'm getting way ahead here, but one of the um, factors that also set the stage more than what I just said is, um, is there was a paper by two rather well-known uh, scientists. Uh, Andrew Weil and and Wade Davis. They published two papers in 1994. Um, They're almost the same, pretty much the same article. Um, They were published in different journal, two different Mm -hmm. journals. Um, And it was their article, the articles were the first to formally describe and report on the psychedelic qualities of the the Sonoran Desert Toad in in an academic setting. And in in that paper, they uh, postulated with, or they guessed without any anthropological evidence that indigenous people were likely to have experimented with smoking a variety of substances including the Sonoran Desert toad or toads. Um, And I really think that that might have gone a long way into the the fabrication and the notion that uh, smoking Sonoran Desert toad uh, toxins uh, or secretions um, is an ancient indigenous practice um and it's it's not there's no evidence for it at least um toads have been regarded as uh miraculous beings to indigenous people for a full variety of reasons um except being for being psychedelic um,
0: yeah and that's interesting because even even before i saw your presentation I had the question about the indigenous use of, of these toxins. And I came across Andrew Weil's paper. Mm-hmm. And I took that as evidence. Now this guy obviously has dropped a few bombs on the psychedelic world himself, right? He's he's kind of a toxin himself. Mm-hmm. But um the uh I thought I'm mean, here I am reading a paper by this very well regarded, you know, professor. Mm-hmm. And it's it mentioned that indigenous effect. And then I saw your presentation and you made a really great case where you showed the slides of images of toads on, you know, the indigenous cultures in, you know, um, southern Mexico, Central America, those regions, I think it was. Yeah,
1: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And some other things there where you, you kind of laid it out. It's like, you see, these are other toads. These are not the Sonoran Desert toads. And there's really no evidence or recording of anybody using these in any kind of a ceremonial fashion or at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the you know, it, uh, superficially there are, um, if you didn't really uh, probe too deeply, you could see like the incense burning vessels and um, the toad shaped uh, pipes, tobacco pipes and things like that. Uh, those, you know, might, uh <laughs> allude to mm-hmm. to the to smoking sonoran desert toad secretions um and there's just a lot of material uh, uh, existing facts and materials to superimpose onto a um a narrative that that a lot of people want to um to believe and i think as you're probably very well aware um, in our society, uh, we are um, grasping uh, very much for a sense of um, communion and spirituality and ritual that um, maybe was never there or has been uh, slowly leached out over, over time. And, and because of the nature of psychedelics, um, that, you know, that psychedelics p- provide fertile ground for the creation of um, sp- a spirituality and ritual and lifestyle and such. Um, but as you know, as well, I'm sure, um, there are a lot of things that we have to take into account when we want to make progress and what, when we want to, um, lead better lives, we have to, we have to see how, um, that impacts other living things, humans and Um, non-humans. Are we benefiting at the cost of another being at at the expense of of another living thing for which there is no um, cultural context uh, or ancient context? Um, So... uh, You know, this is kind of the, in in my, in my work with this whole issue, the whole linchpin has been um, converging uh, science and uh, cultural uh, narrative, traditional knowledge and science in this case, really need to be stakeholders at the same table. And that table is um, human well being and uh, toad well being, environmental well being. Um, there, you know, it's, it's the, the reconciliation of of hard science and traditional science, indigenous science. Yeah. Um, and and that is mindfulness. All of that is being yeah. mindful.
0: Yeah. And so are these, I love the way you put that, that, you know, it's the, the living being that we need to be respectful of. You know, the, that is this toad. Is it, and I know that the government or, or government agencies only <laughs> look at, you know, endangered species every, I don't know, five, 10 years. So it's, it's yeah. really not up to date, but I have this sense living here in the, the Sonoran desert region. I feel like the last few years, the monsoons have been really dry. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of building out into these areas. And so I'm kind of concerned. Has there been any official like you and your teams, you know, have you noticed?
1: Um, well, yeah. Um, so my other, um... My other hat, as it were, is I am a research associate at the Desert Laboratory uh, on Tumamok Hill, um, which is a sacred uh, Indigenous hill
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, land feature. Um, But the part of large part of the arc of that lab's history is understanding um, the climate of the past through a bunch of clever methods. but when you when you look at those deep data sets um, and you look at the recent uh, climate history, there is um, increasing unpredictability and intensity of our climate And the monsoons um, are are becoming, less uh uh frequent or they're, they're we're, we're going more years where we're having um less uh rain mm-hmm. but but uh every once in a while we get very intense monsoons. so um it's just kind of unpredictable we are in a long Long term drought, especially this year is a La Nina oscillation. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, pre- it's predicted to be a, a dry uh, mm. summer cycle. Um, but the future will be characterized by infrequent, uh, very, but very intense monsoons. So you just basically have sort of a um, <laughs> borderline personality uh, climate uh, regime. Um, and the the fluctuations are gonna are just gonna be much more intense.
0: Yeah, and uh, these toads really depend on the monsoon season, don't they?
1: That's correct. Um, the toads, um, well, <clears throat> amphibians in the Sonoran Desert have have adapted to um, emerge, eat. Reproduce and in the case uh, of a tadpole, turn into a small toad or frog in the, in the span of within the monsoon season, mm-hmm. which in a drying pool could be uh, between eight and 10 days. But the Sonoran desert toad, because it is more tropical in origin. It relies on more permanent bodies of water or areas that stay humid most of the year. Hmm. Um, they can also go, you know, they also go dormant in dry patches. My, the point I'm trying to make is they, is that um, they are tough creatures, but the dryness is is pushing every desert adapted creature and plant to its limit, its adaptations are being exercised um, to their limits. And, uh, and so uh, the toads um, are have already faced uh, all the other challenges such as the climate, uh, human expansion, uh, disease, uh, and all of these things uh, on top of the psychedelic demand so it's they're resilient creatures but not for uh something which has just appeared within the last millisecond of their existence on earth yeah um so yeah uh what is it i think uh, the last Several hundred million years of evolution never prepared them for stoned apes with opposable thumbs
0: <laughs> right, yeah, and so speaking of of us stoned apes, um, is there any humane ethical way for humans to uh, acquire this this poison from the toads, or is any interaction with the toads essentially damaging?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, the the most humane ethical way to collect the parotid secretions or poison from the toad is through toads that have uh, been killed on the road.
0: Roadkill, <laughs> yeah. That well, that makes sense. Roadkill.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's your the first option, um, and. Other than that, if the toad is being manipulated by or handled by people, the toad is offering you the secretions, but as a defensive mechanism. So this is a, a, a response to what the toad perceives as a predator or mm-hmm. a, an attack. Um, and even, even just picking up the toad um, doesn't elicit the uh, the expression of those glands, so it. What I'm saying is, it takes a lot of stress and harassment and fright to get this toad to uh, release these secretions on its own, and uh, and also. Um, but the, you know, most people. Uh, well, all you know. Right now, the way the, the, what's going on now is toes are picked up and the, the glands are are squeezed and the the secretion is collected. Um, and I mean, physically, the toad is fine. The toad uh, is, you know, it has evolved that adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is now as a moral one on our part, uh, whether you're an individual person going out and doing this, uh, collecting toads for this purpose or a toad for your own personal purpose, or whether you're supporting or participating in a, um, mass, uh, uh, Collection of of this substance uh, in Mexico is Mm -hmm. you know that's those are moral questions that you had you had to ask yourself. Um, So yeah, that's my job and my attempt right now is to stem the. The demand with with reality and um, something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, I was an you know consultant to Hamilton Morris um, on the first episode of his show in two thousand eight seventeen. I think mm-hmm. it was. It aired and uh that was a huge undertaking because i I worked very hard to ensure that cultural um myths were dispelled and that everything that was produced was factual and and ethical mm-hmm. or was just factual, and it was generally it was, but the popularity of that show sort of eclipsed the the narrative in a way. And so right then after, um, my good friend, uh, Pat Foley, who runs Cream Design and Print here in Tucson, uh, who had always uh, been fascinated in underground culture and publishing and things like that and designing, uh, we got together and produced the uh, first um, conservation design or campaign. And uh, the proceeds uh, go to the Tucson Herpetological Society, uh, where I'm the president, and they go into our Sonoran Desert Toad Fund, which is, uh, specifically to um, research and conserve the Sonoran Desert Toad throughout its range. And so nice. we're just about to um, release the uh, request for proposals to that fund. Hmm. And um, as, as we speak anyways, uh, there's already been a a group, uh, a multidisciplinary group in Sonora uh, who uh, want to understand the status of the toad in Sonora. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, get, getting back to the conservation fund or the, the fundraising efforts um, later on. Uh, Hamilton decide, decided to make a second episode about the Sonoran Desert Toad in which he um, explains who the actual author of the, the pamphlet, uh, the 1984 pamphlet um, of the, that described how to extract this from toads and smoke, the secretion, identifies the actual person who authored it under the pseudonym Albert Most. And in this episode, he also uh, speaks to the World Bufo Alvarez Conference that's held every year in Mexico City and is uh, explaining to these people that, or to the attendees that uh, we need to leave these toads alone they're at a great risk. Anytime an animal is perceived or even uh, does have uh, some sort of benefit to humans in a, in a big way, uh, usually marks the end for that species. Mm. And um, he's trying to promote a synthetic uh, use, a synthetic source of 5-MeO-DMT in order to leave these these toads alone. So what ended up resulting from that is that he, um, after interviewing um, Ken Nelson, the author of, of Bufwa Various, the Psychedelic Toad of the Sonoran Desert, uh, understanding how he was became the first person ever to smoke this substance and how he, why he published Pamphlet. Um, he decide they both. They both decided that they would. Um, they would update the pamphlet with a conservation forward and uh, a section in the back that um, outlines the laboratory synthesis of five meo DMT. Um, that they would sell this new edition and proceeds would go to, I think the vast majority of proceeds went to the Michael J. Fox Parkinson's disease uh, foundation Mm. because Ken Nelson died of Parkinson's um, very shortly after the, the interview and the the episode aired. Yeah. Another uh, chunk of proceeds went to or are are going to um, Gail Patterson, the original artist. And if that pamphlet in whose illustrations are in that pamphlet, and um, because her that the artwork from that book had been um, used for a lot of t shirts and things like that, yeah. So, and then lastly, um, uh, another amount of proceeds goes to the Sonoran Desert Toad Conservation Fund or Sonoran Desert Toad Fund, Um, and so, between Cream's proceeds and and Hamilton's proceeds, we're roughly in the ballpark of nine to ten thousand um, uh, dollars in in the fund. We're still waiting it, it, the 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 the, depo- the the depositing of that money takes time because it has to go through a bunch of legal channels and such yeah.
0: Um, that's a but, good show. It's a, it shows that people are are buying these, and and their money is uh,
1: yeah there. That's good. So yeah, the 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 pamphlet has uh, also comes with a nifty bookmark that basically just says uh, "Leave Toads Alone," which is becoming a nice hashtag and motto on the internet. So yeah, really happy about that. Um,
0: so yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I've got I've got one in my hand here. Oh, great, great. Yeah, and I and I will put a link to it so other people can go there and, and purchase this book and, and get that, that really cool design bookmark. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, uh, Cream uh, Design and Print uh, is uh, sort of facilitated Hamilton's um, publication of the pamphlet. Um, and I had, you know, I, I've, I've been in contact with Hamilton because of our, our, you know, we're sort of wanting to make sure that this is done right. Uh, yeah. correctly. Um, But when Hamilton needed a publisher, I immediately recommended cream uh, here in Tucson um, creams, printer and, and uh, designer. One of them is uh, a guy named Maxwell, who is uh incredibly advanced for his young age and mature and mm. um, uh, early on we well Max called me and because he people had been asking him about the uh, ethics of, of publishing this pamphlet mm-hmm. and I agreed that you know this the intent could be lost in publishing this uh, historic documents, even if there is a forward, a new forward and a a new laboratory synthesis in the back. So after about two hours of talking, we decided, well, let's just stick a, a bookmark in there that cuts to the chase with the message of just leave toads alone or please leave toads alone.
0: Perfect. I think that hit the nail right on the head.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the wonderful thing is that as soon as people started sharing their purchase uh, on Instagram, um, the, the bookmark was showing up right next to the pamphlet in like 90% of the posts. Nice. So um, that was really a relief and, and satisfying to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's
0: excellent, excellent. and and I know I saw I did see the second episode, well both episodes of Mm -hmm. the Pharmacopoeia, and I saw when he was at that conference in Mexico, and he said, "Hey, look, look how great the synthetic is." There's a lot of skepticism, yeah, and a lot of turning away away from it. What what has your experience been in terms (laughs) of feedback, or what has his been? What is the general feeling about uh, synthetic versus you know from the code?
1: Well, Hamilton uh, really characterizes the issue pretty well, even when he's addressing the crowd, and, um, and that is that um, when, well, Hamilton did an analysis on uh, of his own of of the secretions, mm-hmm. and it turns out that. Um, the secretion is almost pure 5-MeO-DMT with a negligible, like an in, in, in insignificant amount of mm-hmm. uh in there, which bufotinin is a mild psychedelic. Um, it's found in a number of other places, including us humans. Um, but... Uh, it's called Bufocttinin because it was first discovered in toads. Hmm. Um, but it's found in anadenanthera, which is uh, the seed it's uh, the seeds of a of a tropical tree which is pul- which are pulverized into a snuff. Um, but uh, what what I'm getting at is that um, it's very it, it's impossible to say that, the toad derived substance is superior or inferior to any other source because it's practically pure. And so the experiences that people have are completely subjective and impossible to quantify. Yeah. So, and, and the experiences are going to be different every time. Uh, The experiences are going to be, unique um even uh repeatedly within the same person Mm -hmm. so um yes and also people if people are taking the substance with with other psychedelics then that's going to have a um an effect as well so it's all it's all uh I should say metaphysical, um, and we, you know, you can the toad can remain the avatar of the of the movement or of the community, mm-hmm. uh, but but we should leave toads alone. Um, the the toad can be a a mascot or a symbol of five meo dmt. I mean, it is, but. We can remove the 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 physical toad from
0: the yeah. equations. it's like a gift it gave us, yeah, it said here here you go. this is what this is. It can be the avatar to represent that, but the synthetic, like you said is is pure, and what comes out of the toad is almost completely pure, so it really is the same thing. It's just the the mystical aspect of it, and we can just yeah. you know, impose that mysticism from the avatar of the toad onto the synthetic. And drive on. Then we can leave the toes alone.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, psychedelics are incredibly promising tools. And uh, I have to say that I I am not against them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just we just need to be mindful and um, in everything that we do in general and. We, it's very difficult to research even a qualified chemist or scientist or therapist. Uh, it's very difficult to, um, it, at least in an official setting, in a sanctioned, officially sanctioned setting, um, scientifically and governmentally, is very difficult. So we have a number of impediment, legal impediments that, um, have delayed our development in in psychedelics. I mean, it's changing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and something that o- almost needs to be recreated um, outside of the the framework, legal framework. New new frameworks have to be created. That's ha- that's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. But Absolutely, like you said, and moral and is,
1: uneth- we're just so nascent right now, yeah. In the whole process,
0: yeah. Mindful, moral, and ethical, yeah. I like that. Is it buffo aloe or incilius aloe
1: Um, it's either one for the purposes of the psychedelic world. Um, you could call it bufo aloe it's very popular, and it's um, but incilius is is uh, a, a taxon, uh. taxonomic technicality it's uh it's genetic geneticists and taxonomists uh are have just refined the classification of toads and uh and our toad happens to be nested within the incilius group of toads and almost all toads at one point were bufo but but that's uh taxonomy is always changing so Right. It it for, it doesn't matter unless you're a taxonomist.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. And then the last thing was just to ask you if there's anything else you wanted to get out there because that that's all I had to ask.
1: Oh, um, well, um, let me think here. Um, yeah, no, I, it has been really great, great talking to you, and I appreciate again, uh, being able to to talk about this and. Um, Let's just uh just all be a little bit more uh, mindful of of uh, how we use our psychedelics and where th- where they come from and um and the the impacts that we have uh when we do them and, and yes. how we source them um, absolutely so.
0: That's yeah. beautiful. I am uh, so grateful for your time. That's great information. Exactly what I was hoping to get out there. So, Robert, thanks again for your, your time and your and sharing your expertise. It really means a lot to me and to the community. You're most welcome. That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.